comes, babe, look, we have a firsthand experience in the fact that when it comes to equipment malfunctions here, whether wearing headphones or not is the least of our problems. Agreed. Yeah. So how do I even go into this? We had we just recorded an hour of podcast that uh, Toshiba decided to, um, and you know Toshiba's not going to be a, a sponsor of the show now, <laughs> but they my pod, my podcast computer just decided to erase. And we, we had I mean, am I not right? That was the most that was the most uh, charismatic. Uh, intelligent uh, hour. It was of your best work ever. It was my best work yeah. ever. It was. It was. Um, likewise. Likewise. Perhaps not meant for human ears. It, I think that's <laughs> what it was. I think it was divine intervention, like in Pulp Fiction. He stepped in and moved us out of the way of the bullets. Well, let's hope something spectacular happens in this next hour to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Share Your Buzz, the second hour. The first hour you will not hear unless you were a, uh, a spirit. But, ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, coalesce, cogitate, cavort with us. For Share Your Buzz episode 190, take dose. We are here in the gracious, um, our gracious host allowed us to come and record in his personal lounge up here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. And we are smoking some beautiful aviator scars and we are talking amongst friends here. We're having a good old time drinking some whiskey and trying to recoup this, uh, this, this computer failure. So, but we're going to get back into it and. Uh, it's almost serendipitous that we are talking to this gentleman as our first show after New Year's Eve because the very first time you were on the show, my friend, was the first show of New Year's Eve two years ago. I know that. And the reason I know that is because we just did this an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to act surprised. Exactly. Did exactly. you just do this because you wanted a free extra cigar? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Called out. Called out on the mic. Um Mr. Dan Chaffee from Principal Cigars. Happy to be here again. <laughs> Happy to be here at your own place recording. Yeah. Um, if it counts, I wasn't here the first time. Exactly. Uh, we're sans Chris this time because he was on the first episode, but then had to go watch the Titans playoff game. So now we are here joined by my lovely fiance, Faith, who is smoking the Accomplice White Label tonight from Principal Cigars. That's her favorite cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been all around smoking cigars from... from Different manufacturers from different islands in the Caribbean, from Cubans and whatnot, and that still is her favorite cigar that she goes back to all the time. She's a smart woman. Indeed, indeed. Still rather tasty. Uh, I'm Tony, by the way, and we're joined with uh, Harrison. Here is a, our, our fourth mic, so welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, at the risk of uh, making too many jokes about the, the lost episode, let's jump right in with... A little intro for people who have not heard the first one. Darren's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, obviously, you guys in town know him from Principal Cigars, from uh, Nashville Cigar Week, from Steeplechase. Even people that don't smoke cigars know about your Steeplechase epicness, my friend. So, but for those who don't, for those who are jumping in, um, you know, I've recently gotten into the like social media cigar nerddom. So I'm, we've, I got a lot of new followers that are in the cigar world that might not know um, our history. So. Let's talk about some of these new people, or let's talk to these new people about um, about principle and basics, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, um, man. I I know that I'm not supposed to keep making jokes about the fact that we just did this again, but you know do. it's like Please right do. in the forefront of my mind. Please so do. Please I'm gonna do. try to mix it up. Shit on me as much as possible. Still get the important stuff out. Uh, thank you, you for having we us. We don't have to reiterate everything. Just yeah. give it a brief overview. Right. We uh, principle cigars. We're we're based here in Nashville. We. Um, we're a boutique manufacturer in every real sense of the word. Um, 
you know, we're making really small batches of, uh, of extreme craft cigars. I mean, the youngest tobaccos we're using are about four years old. Uh, most of our cigars are, are um, sort of medium plus in terms of flavor. We try to derive all of the intensity from the flavor itself. Uh, Aviator series is what we're most known for. Uh, aviators are cigars that are made in, in production runs of uh, about three or 4,000 sticks for each Vitola about three times a year. Uh, we're, we're mostly a European brand, but we've been expanding now in the U.S. for the last couple of years, uh, just slowly and carefully, you know, because it's, it's a bit difficult um, production-wise to, to grow over here because the U.S. absorbs so many more cigars than most European countries. It is, I have heard that we consume like more than all the European countries put together, like it's it's yeah the, like the the entire global cigar consumption outside of the U.S. is a hundred some on million sticks, and that's you know Cuban, non-Cuban, Asia, Far East, Canada, Europe, the entire thing, and the U.S. alone is well over three hundred million. So it is significantly different. Well, and you mentioned something about small batch boutique stuff. There's a in the cigar world, there's a people like to throw around the term boutique, and there's a boutique, and then there's boutique, right? Yeah, I mean, like you know, a lot of people like to think that if, if they're not uh, General Cigar or Rocky Patel or something like that, then they're a boutique. But the reality is that, um, you know, you have large companies like Placencia that make cigars for tons of people. You know, they're, they're coming from large factories. Um, you know, our operation is we have three sets of rollers. But what makes it special is that the, the tobacco library from which we're drawing is, is quite vast. I mean, it's larger than some big factories that I'm aware of. Uh, and everything in there has been carefully curated. You know, I come from an antique background. I've been a treasure hunter for 30 years. And, uh, you know, we probably approach. like one of the coolest titles in the world to have as a job. To, like, I'm, I'm not sure if what you do is actually cool. I don't know much <laughs> about it. But I know that the title itself mm. is pretty fucking cool. It sounds good. It's good it's for like cocktail pirate. Like, what do you do for a living? I'm a pirate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're really um, paying a lot of attention to what we use. Our, our cigars are reblended for every single production. You know, all this tobacco is very, very vibrant. It, you know, e each leaf we use has a big personality. So the way these, these leaves interact with each other is, uh, can change very dynamically just from uh, tiny changes in the crops. You know, I mean, you, like I said before, you, you have a crop that had a particularly good growing season and now that's going to mess up your cigar because it's going to overpower a couple of other filler mm -hmm. tobaccos and suddenly you don't get the complexity or, um, you know, and likewise, we're always sourcing great stuff. We're not afraid to buy really tiny groups of tobacco that happen to be special that get um, discovered. And I want to be able to use that stuff. And, and the only way to do it is to tweak the blends and try to always make them the best that they can be rather than leaning on consistency. And often on podcasts, you know, dedicated cigar podcasts, or you will have, you hear a lot of people talk about, um, Whatever whatever guest they have on, they'll play it up. And yes, there are great cigars in everybody. Yeah, obviously, if they weren't a great cigar, we w they wouldn't have the guest on. But uh, honestly, we've talked a little bit before about how principal cigars are – they're in the premium cigar category, but they are really an ultra-premium cigar, right? Like, like you're, you're getting – like, uh, I think when we first – when I first got here, I talked about getting some Byron's and some Davidoff's over the holidays. And – Putting the putting one of your Grand Pyramids or one of your Cochon Valance next to one of those, I mean, my favorite is the uh, is the the Night Flight Cochon Valance, mm. and you put that next to the Byron or the or any of the other you know famous cigars, and you put them in a line. I mean, speaking of you know blind tasting, which we were talking about earlier, this this is I, I, 
honestly, I'll take if I'm if I'm looking at a Cohiba that's sixty five dollars or Byron that's thirty five dollars or a you know, as a consumer, uh, a night flight cochon volant that whatever range that is, and it's a little bit less than thirty-five. And there's, I dude, I'll reach for the cochon every time. I appreciate it, man. I mean, night flight has been a really successful project. It's, it, in, on paper, it's basically Maduro versions of the four core aviators. But in reality, you know, we're not sourcing Maduro leaf and making a Maduro. We just, we're, we use a very special Ecuadorian Corojo wrapper for those cigars. And before we go into these small productions, we color sort it. Uh, in advance, and so we take the uh, the leaves that are just naturally very, very dark, we put them aside for the night flight cigars, and then we tweak the filler a little bit to match the added intensity. So, I mean, of a, sometimes a production of 2,000 cigars, 3,000 cigars, we may only have, you know, one to 300 night flights come out of it. So it's, to say that it's limited, it's, it's naturally lim- limited, you know, by nature, not by marketing, and uh, the, the resulting cigar has, has been really special. Man, I've been lucky enough to smoke a lot of the Cochon Volant variant of that and one of the Grand Pyramids of that, and honestly, it is one of my favorite. Thank it, you. It, it probably is my favorite. Like if I had, a, like I said, if I had a choice between an ultra-premium high-end cigar and that, man, all, all, every day. Now, the um, – I just lost my train of thought, of course. I'll edit that out. The uh, – which we talked about in the first – episode that i don't edit anything out so I'm, <laughs> uh, if it's my fuck up i leave it in all the time if i have a guest on that wants to like edit something out i'll totally be like oh yeah no problem man but the the idea of smoking your the idea of ultra premium like we talked earlier about atabays and byron's and all that stuff uh you the the idea the the intimacy that goes in uh, i use intimacy as a i i mean to use that there the intimacy that goes into a master blender picking what they want the cigar to taste like is a uh, it's I admire that a lot with the intricacy of picking out every nuance every little thing and we're gonna get into this a little bit later when we talk about the cigar journal ratings but the I really admire the idea that you guys can sit down and just uh, like a wine sommelier or something and which I have my own I have my own thoughts on which we'll get into later about how some of that I think is is bullshit but you guys sit around and you taste every single leaf before it gets put into the cigar you know the batches you know the farm it came from and you're like okay this this particular crop is going to taste good with this other particular crop from over here, and you can put them together. It's going to make a new thing. Kind of, you, it's, you it's try, like but a lot of it, you know, it's why Hendrick and I make a great team because he has a lot of knowledge in terms of you know the not only historically what's what behaviors different tobaccos are going to exhibit, but you know good predictive uh, ideas about what can happen when you mix things. But he's in a way, you know, he's, he knows so much that he's a little bit too close to the art. Whereas I'm coming at it from a different perspective, I have a great palate. I know what I'm trying to do, uh, you know, and you know I can force him to try certain things that maybe he he might not consider on his own because they're maybe on paper not what you're supposed to do, you know. The, like the cigar you're smoking, for example, that wrapper and binder together was not something that he tried or even thought we were going to try. But it's spectacular. It's in more than one cigar that we make now, you know. And well, I I'm just glad said, you pointed out the cigar that I'm smoking because. One of the things that I love about your line and that I noticed very right off the bat smoking your cigars when I first met you was the the variation. I mean, much like a craft beer or like a certain spirit and other cigar brands, there's always a through line with some things they like to use. But your cigars very much can train some – like somebody can learn how to train their palate on your line because there's – even within the, the aviator – I just smoked a Grand Pyramid mm-hmm. and now I'm smoking – is this the Vancure? Vancure, yeah. I, and as soon as I lit it up, I immediately tasted it on the light. Yeah, oh, this this it's this, this beautiful is beautiful. This is way different than the cigar I just smoked. Absolutely. With like the aviators, you know, overall, they're they're meant to have certain things in common that make them part of a series. But they're 
each Vitola is a unique blend. You know, they, they have similarities. They're meant to be very complex. They're meant to be, you know, a cigar that you're smoking when that's the main thing you're doing. They're meant to be medium plus flavor-wise. They're meant to be, you know, rich and not overpowering. They're meant to be well-aged and not harsh. But the different Vitolas do have different personalities. And, you know, when we, when we go into reblending, I, like I said, consistency is not our main focus. And main thing is, you know, it's the same cigar can hit you differently. Like you can smoke that cigar tomorrow and based on the time of day or what you're drinking or, you know, the person you're sitting next to, it, it, it can impact you differently. So why, why should I be so obsessed with making the exact same cigar when instead I can say, you know, the Vonkir is supposed to have a, a rich sweetness that builds. It's supposed to have a little bit of licorice. It's supposed to have some baking mm-hmm. spices. So what's the best way I can tell that story right now with the tobacco that we have on hand? Not only the old stuff, but, um, you know, with an opportunity to use new and special things that we discovered since the prior production. And there's definitely an audience for that the same way there's an audience for consistency. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you, you're drinking beer. You want a consistent beer. You know, you you go to your, your big names. You want something local. You're going to get a little bit different. The batch might be a little bit I different. I can make also. a consistent cigar. It's just, in my opinion, not going to be as exciting as a cigar that I make that might vary slightly, right? Well, one of the cool things about boutique brands is that you're going to get something that you can't get anywhere else. So, yeah. and that not, and you're taking it to another level with like not, okay, I'm not going to make every version of this consistent so that not only are you getting something you can't get anywhere else, but you might not even get the same one of the same Vitola that you might have had last time you were and, here. And I don't want to make people think that, you know, it's going to be night and day every time they pick it up. Sure. It's just, it's the, it's the very best version that we can do at any yeah. given point in time. You know, we can make a consistent cigar. Just, you have to back off a little bit, make things a little bit more mundane with, for, you know, at risk of using a, a negative word. Um, and just not what we're doing. We're trying to have a rich, exciting, dynamic experience. And what comes with that is the reality that this is a, a natural product. And there's things out there like weather and dirt and personalities and growing seasons and, and farmers. And, you know, none of this stuff is the same all the time. I, I enjoy that, actually. Oh, sorry, go ahead, man. I also remember the first time that uh, you had an event in the U.S. I think it was for your aviator line, the gold band cigars, right? And you had uh, two cigars there that we could choose from. And one was, you said, this is going to be more leathery. This is going to be more floral. And you said in particular, like, you should try, Harrison, this, like, uh, floral cigar instead because it's something we're trying to accentuate. Yeah, I mean, we do acidity and and, and floral notes are something that I enjoy, and they have to be – it's not an area that a lot of people play around in. You know, you can make a delicate cigar where those notes come through, but to make a cigar that has a lot of flavor and, and they can really captivate you but have those flavors present is somewhat difficult because – you don't want to fall on on the side of like an over minerality, you know, and, and taste metallic. You don't want it to become, uh, you know, uh, there's all sorts of pitfalls you could fall into. And so, some of the tobaccos we use are have like I know when we're using this Cubra, which comes from Brazil, it's, you know, it can dangerously shift from like a, a nice minerality and floral nature to uh, a metallic cigar. And that's not something that we want to make. As we drink uh, more whiskey, I don't risk, I hope the fact that I might repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to repeat yourself from an hour ago. Yeah, when we yeah, yeah, yeah. We had in the, in the, in the, the famed now lost podcast of history, um, you were talking about the San Vicente, which I think is uh, a really interesting component to, to sort of reach for that kind of floral that element, right? That mustiness that I was trying to relate to earlier, that, that walk into your parents' basement to get those Christmas decorations out, and you're in, in up north, and you get that, that burst of when you open that basement door, you get that burst of like cool, musty air, 
and it's pl- it's it's pleasant. It's a nostalgic kind of taste, and you get that with some of your cigars. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, cl- a thing that comes up in a lot of uh, classic Davidoffs too. You get that sort of musty nature, and like Harrison said, it I think it's really uh, due to uh, some San Vicente tobacco that that we use and that they've used. Um, and there are people that really love it. I was smoking with a buddy in Oklahoma a couple nights ago, and he was explaining how that's something he really goes after. So I think as a fun thing for him, I'm going to try to make a cigar that's just a must-bomb. Well, also not, not for release, obviously. No, it's, it's awesome, man. I, I would like to try one, too, because that's my favorite flavor. But it's also um, another testament, again, to going back to how premium these cigars are, because you know Davidoff actually looked, you know, looked at as being one of your most premium cigars, and you're using the same it, they're famous for using that San Vicente so here you are using the same tobaccos you could find in these ultra premium brands and it, I mean this I mean just this I'm looking at this uh, believe me that Grand Pyramid was one of my favorites but here I'm smoking this Moncure and flavor profile smoking two cigars back to back and this one is so much different than the last one and it's uh, the flavor actually actually out of the two I think I like this one right now and the burn on this is perfect is, is perfect it's the actually a good order to smoke that man i mean the, the grand pyramid it's a large torpedo so i always say it's a big cigar for people who don't like big cigars because it's a 60 gauge seven and a half inch pyramid which looks daunting but you know i wanted something that despite the size was elegant extremely layered very complex and just kept delivering a variety of flavors and when you make a cigar that large not only do you need it to change to keep the audience captivated but um, you can't give them too much. So to smoke the Vanquier, which is a bit, it, it's a it's a fifty six by six and a half. So it's not quite as long, but you can you can allow yourself to get a little bit more rich with the with the flavor profile. So the order you smoke them in actually makes a lot of sense. And the going back to that Grand Pyramid, that was a uh, it's again one of those cigars that, like you said, you don't have to be a uh, like you don't got to be intimidated by the oh this is a oh my god this is a giant cigar. You can smoke that and not have the cigar flavor on your tongue after, not ha- not feel sick, not feel like, like. It's everything out of that factory, man. I mean, uh, I think I have one tobacco that I only used on one project, this Nicaraguan wrapper that's two years old. Everything else we're using, almost everything's in the four to six range, and then we have some random things that are quite older, like that San Vicente, for example. Uh, we use a Banal that's now about thirteen years old in some cigars, uh, so it's it's just a special situation with you the aviators. Get that. Especially now that I'm about two years into my, you know, expanding my palate, you get that. You can taste the agedness in a tobacco, if that's a word. The uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not. But I'd admit it up. So I think it's the age. You could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Age would have been all right. Hey, look, some of the greatest writers make their own words, though, right? You've heard of Edgar Allan Poe. He made up all his words. But um, now that I'm now that I'm having a now that my palate is kind of becoming more educated. I'm able to be like, oh shit, this has a this has a ton of lajero in it, or this has like this has some really good aged stuff in it. Like you can you can kind of taste the pick up on those notes a little bit, which is exciting for me as a as a consumer, because I'm I like the fact that now I can walk into a, a humidor and be like, you know, if I know what's in the cigar, I know I'm gonna like it. Yeah, I mean, you you, you also have to be concerned with a lot of things. You know, a lot of terms are just sort of industry words, right? At the end of the day, it's you smoke it, do you like it? Is it good? You know, indeed. I mean, when you're and from the consumer level, when you when you say things like this cigar has Lajero or whatever, I mean, so much of this is just that the industry needs something to talk about in some way sure. to frame in a palatable way what's going on with consumers who do care and want to know more about the cigar, hey, but are we're not going to be. We're on a talk show. We need to talk about something. Students, <laughs> yeah, you got to say something, sure. Uh, but you know, you, I don't even look at it like that because even Lajero is a, 
these are relative terms. There's no such thing as you look at a leaf and you say, this is lajero. It's, it's about the different primings on the plant, right? So mm-hmm. lajero is, is a way you use a leaf. So like if you use a leaf as lajero. To say that you, you, you know, a cigar is 100% lajero, whatever, it's, it's just marketing words, right? It's, it's not reality. If you, if you take, if you take a, a, a lajero leaf and, or a leaf that you would consider to be lajero that could now be used as lajero and continue to age it and use it in a softer way, it's not really lajero anymore. It's something else, right? I mean, we're kind of seeing that now with the, the terminology. I mean, even in the Vitola sizes, everything is like you can – everything's a Robusto now. You know, it used, you know, there used to be size differentiations. Right. Now everything's Robusto. But it doesn't offend me. I mean, call it what you want and just tell us what size it is. Yeah. Or, I mean, the terminology you see even, I think, most, most broadly with the uh, Connecticut shade, right? Like everything – oh, this is Connecticut. This is Connecticut shade. Well, there's – what? Are you – are, is it actually grown under the cheesecloth, or is it? I, th- I think in Ecuador, in Ecuador, they just grow it under the sh- like in the clouds or something. Like it's, like it's. We're using w- all all of. Our, I'm not using any Connecticut wrapper now. We, we we have some filler actually that's from Massachusetts that we thought mm-hmm. was from Connecticut that we we figured out, but um, all of our quote unquote Connecticut wrapper is Ecuadorian grown at this point. But even the term shade is is very subjective, right? Like what what. What shade is it? Is it grown under the cloth? Is it grown at, in the at the end of the day, man? Unless you were on the farm, who knows? Yeah. Indeed, as long as it tastes good for me as a consumer, right? That's it. Yeah. So, speaking of flavor profiles and nuance and things like that, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, man, which uh, you know this is going because we did this already. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what reason, all, Tony? All of our segues are shot now. Oh my goodness! But uh, not that they were good before. I but. can't crack jokes that you've already heard in front of you with a straight face. So I apologize to everyone out there. Mm-hmm. Am I smoking a cigarette right now? <laughs> Everybody will know that's that gotta be my the ultimate laugh in, is inside inside lost joke of all time. <laughs> so, so Darren happens to be on the panel for Cigar Journal, and right now everybody is le- releasing their. You know, this is the first podcast of um, 2020, so by the time you're hearing this, all the all the top 25s are out. But I'm very interested. Um, which probably not so interesting anymore because I know about it because <laughs> I heard about it an hour ago. <laughs> but but I am very interested in, in how all that goes down, man. The being on the panel for a cigar tasting, like judging cigars, like not only does your palate have to be good, but like what all goes into that? Like it's great. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm really honored to be a part and very thankful, you know. And just the experience is uh, f- forget about the joy of you know my everyone else that's on the panel and meetings and, and being a part of it, just the, the sheer fact of going through smoking cigars blindly and having to evaluate them really keeps you sharp. You know, it, it keeps you honest and keeps you clean and it, and it forces me to, you know, look at my own blending from a new perspective. Uh, it forces, it takes away my prejudices I might have about certain brands and what they're doing when I'm smoking cigars and enjoying them or not. And then later on finding out what, what they were. So you get a package of, Blind wrapped cigars. Yeah, we do. Um, well, they do it two ways. They twice a year we're meeting and having uh, tasting panel sessions in in person. So like every fall they do it in uh, in Austria. We go to a place called Saint Wolfgang, uh, which is really beautiful because they there's a hotel we do it in which they close down just for us. Um, hey babe, we're gonna get married at Saint Wolfgang's church. Okay, I'll have to make some you arrangements. You got it mixed up, man. This is the fall. <laughs> oh, this is actually one of the most beautiful churches listen. in all of Austria. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, they closed this hotel down for us, and uh, 
on one of the days in particular there, you know, we, we get six cigars in the morning. So it's two days. You get six cigars each day. And we're out there and on the water evaluating the cigars. And every hour or so, they sort of ring a bell and call everyone up. And they're cooking small courses. Uh, the owner is a, is a big wine guy. So he's saving up cool, large format wine throughout the year to share with us. Uh, and it's just a beautiful experience. And then in the spring, they do it. It moves around each year. This year is in April in um, Skopje in Macedonia, which is your wedding weekend, which obviously I will not be attending due to this, as you found out in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then the other way they do it is they send you the cigars in the mail. So we just get a package with the cigars, and they just they have numbers on them. So we don't know what we're smoking at that time. And the... Uh the actual act of well, that, that's actually interesting in itself because you don't know what you're smoking, and these cigars are Cigar Journal does worldwide, right? So you get you're yeah. getting Cubans, you're getting all, you're getting everything. You get everything, and you really are getting a blind taste test. I mean, we talked a little bit on the on b- before about some of these, some other magazines. You can, you know, the, the Cigar Authority podcast and Dave Garofalo. He's like he's really funny when he talks about like he can look at cigar aficionado, not to, not to rag on them, but he's like, okay, I know what the one. The ten, the eleven, and the twenty-five is going to be because it's going to be, uh, you know, do, do, do advertising. Who's yeah. getting, who's new in the business? They're who, economically who, yeah. uh, driven for sure. Uh, Cigar Journal is honest. I mean, we we do not know what we're smoking when we submit the ratings, and more often than not, the way I evaluate a cigar is is uh, pretty close to how it comes out in the magazine. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think the way they do it is they they take our evaluations. You know, we're giving we're giving a grade. But we're also giving this qualitative review during the three thirds of the cigar, and so like you know, if five people say licorice or eight people say licorice, he's going to mention that when he describes the you know, the the general nature of the cigar. And then in terms of the score, I, I believe they throw out the top and bottom number, and it's an average of everyone else's number. So if we can, at the risk of sounding personally. Uh Repetitive. Can you go over the list a little bit on your sheet there? Like, what some? What are some of the things that you guys have to judge by? Yeah, Just well, well, they care about two things. Both there are just certain aspects of the cigars that don't really impact the grade, and then then you have the aspects that do. You know, they're asking about the appearance of the wrapper. If it's chunky veins, tiny veins. If it's sandy versus oily. They want to know the the color, dark or light. Which, as a consumer, probably matters more than a pro, right? Because, like, as a consumer, like we talked a little bit before about. You know, obviously, looking at a band on a cigar is like thinking that the racing stripe is going to make the car go faster. But it does, to a consumer, matter. And the the way the the way the wrapper looks does. It's, I suppose it's, it's a type of consumer. I mean, if you're at a wedding taking photos, you want large cigars like a Churchill, Connecticut, or something like that. You know, a big, clean-looking cigar is is what I would want for you know photos in that kind of circumstance. But you know, you're a, if you're a smoker who knows about a cigar and you love it, but it's you know part of it is all really toothy or or has a lot of veins or whatever you know it might not we all made the joke before about smoking toscanos i also smoke toscanos which don't are not the prettiest but they're awesome yeah and but but it's there's something cool about uh even being a cigar nerd like myself and there's a knowing that flavor is is the top priority there's something cool about holding a pretty looking cigar in your hand and then you get into things like mechanics of the cigar and mechanics would include things like the combustion you know is this thing burning evenly is it burning uh uh, steadily or is it going out you want to talk about the volume of smoke the heat of the smoke those are for me two extremely important aspects you know am I getting an effortless mouthful of smoke or am I having to work hard is that hard work causing the cigar to heat up while I'm smoking it which will, will strongly negatively impact the flavor 
Uh, and then things like the ash color and all, which don't really impact. I'm getting the an exquisitely even burn line on this Vancure with the pure white ash. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, and then they care about the complexity, the harmony, the body, the boldness, and uh, you know how long or short the finish is. But it's primarily, you know, the description of the cigar throughout throughout its the smoking progress. You know, first third, second third, third third. Um, the cold draw. There's a little place to mention some notes that you might get in the cold draw. Uh, and then finally, the rating. And the rating is really, for me, is the toughest part. I mean, I can intimately describe the smoking experience, but then you have a responsibility to put a number on what you just enjoyed. And um, for me, sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at my rating sheet, and it sounds like I'm describing a beautiful cigar, but it, it you know, it's like an 88 or whatever. And other times, it looks a little bit less enticing for, in my description, but the cigar's a 92. And you're trying to put yourself in the position of, you know, I don't like everything, right? So you want to evaluate, is this cigar accomplishing its goal for the person that likes what it's intending to deliver? And let's go over it real quick for the layman. You might look at a cigar rating and think, man, these are all in the 80s and 90s. Like, are there any bad cigars? But we're going on like a grade school kind of thing, right? Like out of 100? No, no. So it's, well, yeah, out of 100, but that's the only similarity. I mean, realistically, the... They like, wouldn't be rating bad cigars. Yeah, right? I mean, like the worst cigars that they tend to rate are like 85, 86. You know, that's, that's to, I don't think I've ever rated anything less than 86, right? We're not getting total junk. The only time it's like hard to rate it as all if you get something that's completely plugged. Right? If you can't even take a draw, then it's impossible to rate. But that's sort of bad. And then, you know, a lot of decent cigars are in the high 80s. Once you start getting 90 and above, it has to be something that you would really actively want to smoke. 92 or 93 to me are really good cigars. And then once you start getting like 95 or 96, that's like the exceptional, uh, nearly mind-blowing stuff. And anything above that would be like the the out-of-body experience kind of once-in-a-decade cigar. Have you ever, because they're all blind-labeled, uh, I'm sure this has happened to you, have you ever sat down and smoked one and be like, oh, I know exactly what this is? Yeah, it I happens. It happens. And sometimes there's, you know, physically that you can't hide the attributes of some cigars. Sure, sure, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah. You got like a Solomon size or something. Like, I know what this is. Yeah. Well, we got that <laughs> Drew Estate that's half green or has the Candela cap or vice versa. I mean, it's pretty clear what that is. Oh, man. Things by like the that. We didn't touch on this before, but by the by the way, some of the cigars that uh, that are normally look... Okay, so people will talk some smack sometimes about the, about the barber poles, right? But I have had... I had the... Arturo Fuente between the lines, that that uh, was it they, they that Perfecto barber pole, one of the best cigars I smoked all year, man. I would go back and get that again and again. It was really really good. Well, the one thing about barber poles, and it's not that it's something that I smoke, is you have you have a lot of wrapper happening, right? I mean, with with Cuban cigars, a lot of the character of the cigar is coming from that filler. So the strengths of the filler tobaccos, you have you have less of a sort of less of a variety in flavor profiles that you can experience, but you have these rich filler strengths. Once you get out of Cuba, it's the wrapper and the binder become much more important for the character of the cigar. And so w with a barber pole, I realize what they're, they're trying to do, but the, the byproduct of that is, is more wrapper leaf than normal. Sure. Like a lot, sometimes, you know, I, I use a double binder on a lot of cigars. So you have, you have all the filler tobaccos and then we'll put two binder leaves on and that could really add to a lot of the richness it it takes more time and it, co and it costs more money but in in some instances it can help with combustion it can uh, it can do all sorts of things to impact the cigar and by the way you i mean it, it shows because combustion you mentioned it was one of the things uh, construction one of the things on the on the list there and your cigars specifically uh along with like drew estate and some other cigars in the market that 
the smoke output and the burn is the combustion is like it's really a big part of the smoking experience that some people don't some people overlook um it kind of goes with me with the the draw factor like people are like oh you just suck on the cigar i get smoke out like no it, it can really affect your experience you know i'm almost offended when people say to me oh this cigar is a great draw a great construction like that's almost offensive because of of course i mean there's there are 50 cent bundle cigars out there that have perfect construction perfect draw right so it shouldn't even be a part of the conversation like sure. yes it should be great now let's talk about what you're experiencing how are the flavors is That's it interesting yeah is it captivating is it changing do you want to smoke it again is there something different and new here is it exciting those are the characteristics that really are uh, important to me it's kind of like that great chris rock joke that you love you know it's like i take care of my kids you're supposed to <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to take care of your kids you're not supposed to go to jail it's supposed to burn correctly. It is. It's supposed <laughs> to draw. Now let's talk about what you're really doing. That's that's and that's very interesting to talk about. That is it's that, a great is analogy, that, Harrison. Is that a testament to maybe how? All right. So being a, you know, again, I, I grew up in Florida. I smoked cigars uh, you know, since my twenties, but just recently got into the, you know, the, the the hardcore scene. So was there, you know, we all hear about the cigar boom from the nineties or whatever, and how everything kind of built up. So was. The fact that construction and burn and things like that are, are part of the grading system, does that mean that at one point it was not as good as it is now? Like, is, was, was, there, was there once a problem with that? I think that now the way – most new world manuf- – I mean, there's problems. You know, stuff happens, right? But for the most part, new, new world cigars, meaning non-Cuban cigars, uh, you know, quality control is, is up there. You know, we, we know how to make cigars. Um, the, the, in the 90s, the difference was that there was just such an enormous demand – People were so hungry for cigars that uh, manufacturers could provide anything. You know, they were things were rushed to production, and they just they had such a demand and list of people that people were flying down in private jets. Uh, cigar manufacturers were like rock stars, and and consumers were just you know clamoring for anything they could get. So of course, in a in a scenario like that, you're going to have things that are subpar ma- reaching the market. Whereas today, they can take a little bit more time. And I think uh, not to rehash too much stuff for our previous conversation, but there was. We talked a little bit about the Cuban debacle and about how, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, I love Cuban cigars when they're great, but there's definitely an issue with consistency and, and, and construction when it comes to when you're, when, the government's being, when you're being asked to, to put out an um, insurmountable amount of cigars that you can't possibly hit and on a regular basis versus somebody down in Nicaragua or who is like with the, with the someone like yourself who's on site or who it picks out these blends. Pers- uh, it's just a different system. I mean, you know. In a capitalist system, everyone cares from, you know, they say 200 people have been responsible for that final cigar you're smoking from farmers, agronomists, rollers, sorters, blender, you name it, right? And they all care because they all have a job to do and they're, they're paid for their skill and they're, they're compensated based on what they're doing. And, you know, if I, if I made a bad cigar, I care and the factory cares and the roller cares, everybody cares. But it's just a different scenario, you know, in an environment where the motivations are different and people are are uh, having a different approach to what they have to do in order to survive the product by the time it gets to you is, is, is not quite the same as the product. And that, that lends it, itself you know. to the communal aspect of cigar smoking in a sense. the uh, Everybody, you'll hear across the board, everybody talk about, oh, cigar smoking is all about the community. It's all the self-selecting audience and all that. Like, it's... It's very much like I, I want to go to the lounge. I want to talk to cigar smokers. I want to hang out like we were talking earlier, Harrison. Yeah. It was a, uh, but one of the things that makes it cool, I think to me, especially as being on more of the consumer side, is this is a seed 
that gets grown into a bunch of different tobaccos that somebody goes and picks out and tastes, puts together into a cigar. It makes it from Nicaragua or uh, Honduras or Cuba or whatever to my local lounge, and then I get to sit in here and smoke it with nobody. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you 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 play on or whatever. This this we're sitting at a cigar lounge. We're talking about the cigar, or we're talking about you know our wives, or we're talking about the football game or whatever. And we're all just sitting here doing the same thing. But meanwhile, the cigar we're smoking while we're bullshitting in our day to day lives is went from a, a farmer to a to, you know did, did a roller. Yeah, it's a process roller. that really hasn't changed in 150 years. It's something special. Yeah. Money it's is a great motivator. <laughs> that too. <laughs> so, moving into uh, that's actually a good segue talking about money being a motivator because one of the things that we're all noticing if we're into cigars and in the community is this social media boom that's going on right now, and the people, uh, the amateur tasters and whatnot, and uh, which I'm I think definitely an amateur. Well, I, I think it's it's a little bit funny because I do this myself, but I also make fun of myself for doing it, which is the wanting to, wanting to w- almost kind of like being an armchair blender. Like you want to like taste all these nuances and be like, you know what, if if, if I, I, I'm getting a little bit of, of, of cedar in here, I'm getting a little bit of, of puddle water from a two, from a two hour rain. Uh, this is like you, you made the joke earlier about somebody <laughs> about smelling like a, a woman who just came in from a, <laughs> from a run. It's it's very there's a. It's like oh this That's is like interesting. this is like pineapple but mixed with uh, I- if it sits if you open a can of Dole and you let it sit for two days and then <laughs> and then you and and then you st- and then you mix it with a little bit of a uh, uh, it's 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 just weird the way these th- and sometimes I laugh at them but then I catch myself doing it and it's fun to sit it's fun it's fun to sit around on my patio and smoke a cigar and be like what am I gonna get out of this what am I gonna and that goes back to what you were saying about you don't want to smoke a seven inch cigar and have the same flavor the whole time right because it's like I'm sitting out here for an hour and a half two hours and I'm having the same thing it gets kind of boring your cigars are really good for that a um, couple other uh, cigars I go to a lot because of their complexity but it's more fun if you have company because sometimes Tony will be excited about whatever he's smoking on the patio and then he'll have to come find me because <laughs> there's nobody else on the patio at the moment <laughs> Oh, this thing tastes like leathery. It's very milky. It's very whatever. And I'm like, well, okay, really. <laughs> but also to go back to the uh, cigar journal's rating system, you have the you know the first third, the middle third, and the final third of a cigar. And again, like not to toot principal too much, but like all these two principal cigars I smoked today, uh, yeah, they were a larger format. I'm smoking a Diadema now, which is a, a, a basically a, correct me if I'm wrong, a variant of a Salomon, yeah. right? And then, you know, uh, before that, the Grand Pyramid. So there are two relatively large format cigars, but I have distinct uh, parts of the cigar that I'm really enjoying. And there's a complexity of flavor and then sort of a, you know, crescendo into each part of the flavor that just changes. And I'm not sitting there just for two hours thinking, when is this going to get interesting? Yeah, it has to captivate you and, and keep you interested because, you know, like a Grand Pyramid can be a two and a half hour cigar, to, depending on how quickly you're puffing. Two and a half hours is a long time. I mean, like I, I feel like every time we say something, we're referencing the last time we said it. So <laughs> I'm gonna just start pretending that we didn't do this before. But it's like pancakes. You know, when you you sit down for pancakes, you're all excited and you're like, "This is a Mitch Hedberg joke." You're like, "Yes, pancakes," but a- halfway through, you're like, "Uh, pancakes." And you know, a monotonous cigar will give you the sort of pancake treatment. Yeah. Faith knows we went to um, a breakfast restaurant over the summer on the east side. And I just I was craving breakfast all all day. We went to like two restaurants to find one that was open, 
and like we can get into because everything here in Nashville is a freaking hour wait to get everywhere. So we went to a restaurant. Try to go to brunch on a no. Sunday. We went to we finally found a place to sit down and have breakfast, and I ordered like the biggest breakfast I can I can possibly get on the menu, and was like intent on fin- finishing this breakfast. So, but of course, I saved the pancakes for last because they're like dessert, right? <laughs> so you get by the time I finished all the eggs and sausage and everything and got to the pancakes, I was like, I was in like this this like like rocking in my seat food kind of days. <laughs> and she 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 took out her phone and she took a video of me. She's like, I gotta catch because I was like I was in such a food coma. I was like blabbering across the table. I was just like, I, feel, I was I was drunk off pancakes. I did not order pancakes because I knew he wouldn't finish his. Smart move. Indeed. Yeah. That's kind of my... Otherwise, we would have been sharing that food coma, and I would really be <laughs> exciting to know what kind of conversation we were One of my we distributors in Europe, we call him the Sparrow because he barely eats, and I let him order in restaurants oh, first. Sparrow, yeah, I will gross. always order something different because I know I'm eating at least half of whatever he got. <laughs> yeah, you know who. It could work yeah. to my benefit when it comes to cigars, though, because I know she's never going to finish hers, so I can always smoke mine and then smoke Not whatever's never. left of hers. She doesn't like it when it, it gets hot. She, she doesn't like it when it gets hot, so she never dubs hers out. Of course. Out, I'll, if I'm, all I'm tasting is the burn, and I'm not very, like, you, you wonder, like high up the scale. On I'm, it's it's directly correlated with how frequently you're puffing. And, like, I have a tendency when I'm not paying attention to puff a lot. I'm a fast smoker. So I have to, especially in the second half of a cigar, constantly remind myself to slow down. So if you're finding that good quality cigars are heating up on you, you want to pay start paying more attention to how frequently you're puffing. And if you slow that down, you can control them. And e- even on a cigar that, you know, if you're enjoying it and you're finding that it's heating up, you might slow down to a point where the cigar cools down, but now you're having an issue where it's just burning on the inside, so then the flavor also can be affected. Don't be afraid to smoke the cigar slowly and just relight around the outside. At least then you're, you'll, you'll regulate the heat, still have the flavor, and you can correct by you know relighting. There's nothing wrong with that. We'll definitely do that. I, will I say do that not I like when it gets too hot and there isn't really flavor happening. It's just burn. And then that's when I'm just like, you know what? I'm not interested in this anymore. You can make just about any cigar behave that way by puffing a lot. So just, just try to. But also, that crazy, it, it, it affects the aesthetics of the cigar smoking experience so much, right? So yeah. if you have the piking or what they call it, the conical shape on a cigar because you're smoking it too fast. Or also, like last night when I was smoking one of uh, Darren's cigars and I was just admiring the uh, striation of like the, the ash. It was just like beautiful, man. So, like, you know, it's a well constructed product and like you can see the complexity in the burn. Literally. Yeah, a lot of times we're sitting on the patio talking and Faith's cigar will go out. This um, this accomplice white label has not gone out once on her. It's And it's delicious. Yeah. Thank you. The, um, again, going back to the the juxtaposition between cigars in your, even within your same line, man, the Grand Pyramid, I, again, I'm, I'm not a professional, so this is my subjective view, but the Grand Pyramid for me was like really leathery, high leather flavor with um, – uh, like almost like a wet leather, like that 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 mm-hmm. back of your palate bitterness onto it, which is pleasant. But it, but then smoking this vancure, um, it's like straight up like biting into a pastry. I'm right. getting I'm getting like some sweet. It's still got the leatheriness that you're that you're known for, but it's straight up like biting into one of those um, like one of those pastries you get at a Chinese buffet where they have the sugar on top <laughs> and it's like hot. It's warm from sitting under the light. Yeah, that it, it's it's tough in that ring gauge like. You know, you want to have that. You want to deliver that sweetness, but you don't want it to be like molasses. You don't want the pancake treatment. So you have to have a sweetness that builds slowly, but it's backed up with all the other characteristics: the baking spices, the wood, and the leather. Uh, and the Vanquier, the the current blend, this this current production, for me, I think it's the best it's been in a few years. It's uh, 
they're just really smoking beautifully. I definitely got the complexity off this. Light it up. It had the leather right off the top, and it was it was pleasant and pleasantly bitter and hit me in the palate that I want the sweetness from the burst at top, but now milding into this creamy. Uh, Creamy kind of pastry flavor. Moncare has always been intended to be the flagship cigar of the Aviator series, mm-hmm. but it never really has been because the really? Cochon Volant, which is one Vitola down, has been so wildly popular. Um, I mean, it, it's constantly making lists of top cigars here and there, and uh, they're usually sold out here and in Europe uh, that it's really just overshadowed the Voncare in many ways. But I'm hoping now that with this current production being as good as it is, more people will discover the Voncare and it can hopefully take a better place in the line. But you might look at the color of the wrapper, say, and, and think, to my, you know, again, this is, I think, why Cigar Journal's rating system is interesting because finish is so important, right? Long finish, short finish, harsh finish, all these things. Sure. And, you know, I'm looking at this diadema now and then also looking at the Grand Pyramid, and I know that they're both going to have a clean finish mm-hmm. in my palate and my throat, all these things. And a clean finish for tomorrow morning because yeah, this exactly. is all properly aged, properly fermented tobacco. You can open it up and look at the quality of every piece of filler in there. I mean, there's... There are no shortcuts being made here, and, and all, all of these quality ingredients are not going to give you that uh, you know mouth that so many people don't well, like. So many times you, you get like a, a non-smoker or occasional smoker that will say, man, I, I really want to – I'd like to get into cigars, but I always get this weird aftertaste I don't like afterwards. And it's like, man, you're, just, you're not smoking yeah, the right there's stuff, There's so man. much stuff out there that has been rushed and that's you know corners are being cut. and There's just a lot of junk on the market as, as well as there's a lot of fantastic stuff. I mean, Well, I mean it's just like, a, like booze, right? Like if you – if you drink good booze, you're not going to get the hangover you would if you sit there and drink brunettes all night. There's maybe never been a better time to be a premium cigar smoker. There's endless, fantastic cigars to smoke right now, and uh, but there, you know, li- likewise, there's an endless amount of average stuff, and that's just what you need to avoid. And if you're looking for that experience, and you can get some, some uh, aviators or some principal cigars, good place to start. Do not, do not sit there, and your 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 search is over. You don't need to go for those thirty-five, forty dollars cigars. Just grab one of these, man. You're not going to be disappointed, I promise you. So uh, profile tasting is is a nice segue into another big thing that's popular right now in cigar smoking, which is the, the aspect of pairing. Mm. Now, uh, we all have, we all have uh, ideas about this. We all have uh, indications about what we like and don't like and all that nonsense. But And at the end of the day, it does come to a point that Darren made earlier, which about smoke what you like. But... Let's also or just smoke and drink what you like, but there are. I mean, just as a consumer myself, man, there are some things that you do. If I drink a like a good aged rum or brandy with a cigar, the the brandy will bring out more of the cigar flavor. So I I, I feel like it should it should complement what you're smoking. In theory, time. man, the, you know, the, I think that the better way to approach quote unquote pairing is not so much, you know, how magically perfect does the flavor of this cigar or the flavors of the cigar combined with the flavors of this beverage it's it's more important to like take a step back from that and look you know what's the overall experience i want to have tonight what what you know why do i enjoy this beverage why do i enjoy this cigar how are they going to work independently towards that unified experience versus how are they together in my mouth because the reality is cigars are really even a strong cigar flavorful cigars is not that powerful on your palate just about any beverage is going to be more impactful to what you're tasting. So, you know, even if I have a sip of water, you just imagine you're, you're taking a sip of water and then you immediately take a puff of the cigar. Your, your tongue is not quite yet recuperated from the water having flown across it. You, so whatever your beverage is, there's, there's a certain retraction period between when you take the sip. It's like a refractory period for your mouth. 
to when <laughs> the refractory period. For your mouth. Your tongue has to get back there. Yeah. Re- yeah. I call it a retraction <laughs> period. I, I guess we have to break out the Webster. <laughs> but, uh, Didn't you go through sex education? I think it's retraction, no? Refractory period. All right. Well, what Concave, he said. Convex, whatever. Nonetheless, this period needs to take place. And, you know, some beverages, maybe it's a moment and some beverages, maybe it's a minute or whatever before you can really get 100 percent out of the cigar. And, and if you're like me, when I sit down, the main thing I'm doing is smoking the cigar and the beverage is sort of there for me to enjoy also. So I, I don't I definitely don't want a beverage that's going to take away from the smoking experience. But also we're in a very exciting period for cocktails. Right. I mean, uh, 10 years. What I said in the first podcast Absolutely. was ten, 10 years ago. You know, I was the Negroni was becoming a. Uh, a well-known cocktail is in its infancy of becoming a, a kind of a resurrected cocktail in America. And it was just this Campari bomb. And I didn't want to drink it with cigars ever. Um, and now it's one of the world's famous cocktails. And I want to drink it all the time. And I want to pair it so much. Everyone's doing so many interesting things with vermouths and um, also adding like Amari and things like that to it, which adds to the fruit characteristics and things like that. You know, that uh, cocktails paired with cigars is uh, a growing field, I would say. Yeah, but you take a sip of that Negroni, any subtle fruity characteristics of the cigar puffed 10 seconds after that went across your tongue are not going to be experienced. So if the complexity of uh, and the full experience that that cigar has to deliver is your main focus, it's not going to work. A being immediately. This is well, this is what we made in the first podcast, right? So you're making well, a tertiary experience. Exactly. Wait, yeah. what was exactly. The, what did you guys exactly. say before? Good it's word, like I, 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 I smoked that I can. Yeah. Are, are yeah. you are you smoking with a drink or are you drinking with a smoke? All right. Like it, it depends on what you're setting out to do. If I'm if I'm sitting down with a mai tai, and I want to taste this mai tai, but I want to smoke, I might put something on the humidor that is not going to interfere with my mai tai, but I complement it, or rather. Most of the time, I'm sitting down to smoke. I'm smoking, so I'm going to go with something that's going to complement the smoke. Yeah, I'm definitely the latter. Yeah. Depends on what tertiary experience you're looking for. Indeed. Because that is what you will experience. That's kind of what I feel like you were saying, Darren, where, where you said it's, it's a whole separate thing in itself. Experiencing a Negroni by itself is a different experience. Experiencing a great cigar by itself is a different experience. Experience it with water club soda whiskey a mixed craft cocktail is going to create a third experience there's nothing wrong with i mean if a person wants to smoke a cigar because they just want something in their hand and they enjoy the act of blowing out the smoke or whatever there's absolutely (laughs) nothing wrong with that and if you know if you love cocktails and you just want to enjoy the negroni and also participate in the activity of puffing or whatever fantastic you know do it but to be fair last night uh Darren, we came back from dinner and, and we had some Trinidad Fundadoras, a really great batch from actually this year of the Cuban, uh, the current Cuban production. And he said, let's have a sauterne. And I thought, okay, well, here's an extremely elegant drink for a very elegant, beautiful cigar. And it melded uh, perfectly, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, uh, okay, here's a pairing made in heaven or something like that. I was just enjoying the two things together very <laughs> yeah, much. Well, so. it added toward the elegant e- ending of an evening that we were having. Yeah, sure. Versus yeah. And the, yeah. The, don't, don't ever um, negate the, the experience, the atmosphere that you're doing it in. Like a lot of, pe- a lot of people will say the Company. best, the best cigar I ever had was the best, the best time I ever had smoking. I, d- I kind of differentiate between that. I don't, I don't, n- I think a good cigar is a good cigar, even if you're in a shitty place, but I definitely, there is something to be said about, uh, you know, like we made the analogy earlier, like I, 
one of my favorite cigar moments, one of the best cigars I ever had, was smoking Cubans in Cuba and drinking, you know, drinking a, a Cuban rum and sitting there. And there's there's an aspect of that, sure. And, but there is there's there's a placebo effect. But there actually there is actually some good pairings I think that go together. Like if I'm drinking a Florida Cana with a Nicaraguan cigar, I feel like, you know, we, we you know I I I always joke, I, the Italian cigar festival, I'm cigar every year. It's every other year in Italy. But I, I sit in the back and uh, smoke with a Serbian friend of mine, and we we crack up because sometimes it's, you know it's all Cuban oriented, and a lot of times the cigars are nonsense and. Uh, but we're sitting there on the Amalfi Coast eating this amazing food with this beautiful view. And, I mean, we say we could be smoking rolled-up paper at that point and be having a fantastic time and thoroughly enjoying ourselves. So, and, you know, the, the environment that. is certainly a, an important factor. But there's also times in which you only have one cigar to smoke, and you can be in the most beautiful place. And if that cigar doesn't smoke well or if you have a terrible cigar, you'd rather be anywhere else, literally, yeah. <laughs> with a good yeah. cigar. The best way yeah. to conjure up great smoking opportunities is not have any cigars on you. Then they'll come <laughs> flying out of the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah. I think also just the whole uh, realm of cigar bars and things like that are creating a community as well. They are creating uh, camaraderie of sorts and creating um, these experiences that I think are kind of magical experiences. People are having a good time. Hey, I remember when I went to, you know, to this or that cigar bar in this town or that town, or, and I visited, and I, I got to sit there with somebody who typically goes there every week, you know, and I got to kind of know a little more about the town because I got to kind of get to know a local. Um, same thing as, like, bars have always done, but in a whole different light in a much more kind of living room atmosphere. I think we all lamented, you know, when the cigar bands came into effect and we didn't foresee the you know, the rise of these cigar lounges, which then became these great friendship communities. Now exactly. I think it's legitimate to lament the fact that um, we're not allowed to have those cigar lounges by and large anymore, at least uh, in, in Europe. You know, Vienna just ended there. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they're going to hopefully figure out the situation. Um, but that's definitely something that I'm going to miss because you walk into a cigar environment and you have a ready-made sort of set of friends or at least a class of people that you perhaps – at least you have something greatly in common with. And I, I told Tony tonight, it's like, if you come up to a group of people, unless they're having some secretive CIA business deal, uh, <laughs> and, and you say, uh, you know, hey, do you mind if I join you? And the answer in the cigar community is always, of course, please join us. It's, sure. it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, you can go to, a, walk into a place where a cigar smoking environment anywhere in the world and make friends in a moment, you know, unlike a, a bar or other kinds of social gatherings. So they're just self-selected as open and welcoming people. You know, it's funny, Darren, I was just thinking about something because we were talking about communities and Faith here is a musician. And sometimes we're sometimes when, when we are listening to music or just watching a show, it's all it's almost hard for her to enjoy the big picture because she's analyzing everything. When you're smoking cigars just in a relaxing environment, do you find yourself sometimes overanalyzing the cigar or like picking out nuances or like working sometimes when you should should be relaxing? Um, no, I kind of, it kind of happens the other way. I'll smoke a cigar for enjoyment. And then if certain things start captivating and interesting me, I'll start thinking about, Ooh, this is interesting. How'd they yeah. do this? What's this about? Is this supposed to mm -hmm. be like that? Can I replicate this? You know, um, I, there's a fine line between smoking cigars and, and approach, you know, all general cigar activity from a business standpoint versus an enjoyment standpoint, right? Like I was just mentioning Emmy cigar, the Italian club, and that's, it's very Cuban oriented. So I'm truly there for the social aspect of it. I love all the people, you know, they're from a bunch of different countries and, uh, you know, it's just a great group, but I'm not 
these are Cuban smokers, so I'm not really there for business. So I'm able to separate it. And there are plenty of people in this industry that are not able to have uh, those two minds about them and, and separate the work from the play. Babe, I'm interested, Faith, in uh, one of the things we touched on a little bit about female cigar smokers. In, and I'm, I'm writing an article right now and probably won't come out until next year because Darren was telling me he's got some, some good female cigar smokers in the business coming for Steeplechase. I might wait to publish that article we, and talk to them. We have this year for Steeplechase. I mean, we have a lot of people coming from all over usually for Steeplechase. I mean, usually we have folks from around 15 different countries. And I think even at this in December, we had over 10 Europeans with flights already. So it's going to be probably an epic year. But in terms of women, we have Sarah Saunders from the UK, who's the president of the uh, Women's International Cigar Club. We have uh, my friend Claudia from uh, Germany, from Cologne, who is the um, now the president of Cigar Rights of Europe. Martina Kleinlegel, who's a, a large distributor in Germany, um, and a couple of others. So if, if you're going to write that article, Nashville in May is the time to talk to folks about it. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely going to wait for that till I publish that. So, But I'm interested in... I mean, we ha- we have a lot of friends that smoke cigars and uh, that are you know women and but just because I have one living with me, I that hit you up. Now you've been smoking pretty much since I got you into it, and that you got your you found your kind of click in in Cuba when you had that that pyramid that Cohiba pyramid that was like you're like oh I get it now this is what people are like. But since we've been I, and of course you like those you've always liked the those white label accomplices. Is from when you started smoking till now, is have you is there something ha- you're you kind of always like the same thing. Is there a... Is That's just me with everything, though. Like, if a restaurant has something I like, I will, like, be the cereal. Like, I'll order that same thing till it, like, does not exist on the menu. I just... I, I am... I like the experience of knowing that I'm going to like it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, let me just have that thing that I know that I like. And I think a little bit... Um, we, we were making fun of Chris earlier when he, on the first podcast about, uh, you know, just honing your palate a little bit and but there's so lear- knowing the terminology i think is a big thing because you were like oh i like i like darker cigars but then i got you that liga bravada number nine one time and you were like oh, oh no gosh, i can't do this so strong. no that was so strong um one of the I things about darren cigars is you can smoke high w- what you like the best is high flavor medium body so that you could smoke them and not get overwhelmed People, when they, you know, when they explore cigars at first, they tend to ask for light cigars. You know, they want something really soft. They say, I'm not a cigar smoker, but I'll try. Give me something light. And then if they determine that, oh, hey, I like cigars, then they have a tendency to just go right to the top. Say, give me, I love cigars. Give me something really bold. And then they end up smoking this harsh, spicy stuff. And if they continue to be a cigar person, you see their taste settle out right in the middle where – Things can be elegant in balance. You can get a lot out of a cigar. You can enjoy a lot of different flavors and characteristics. And, you know, that's sort of the area in which we live. We want to make really flavorful cigars that have a lot going on, but, you know, living right in that middle middle ground where, where I feel the experience is at its peak. It's not too light. It's not overwhelmingly strong where you have uh, harsh tones. It's just in the middle. It delivers a lot, and the experience is, I think, at another level. Now, Without jumping back and forth, I mean, I guess I'm going to, but we jump back and forth here, topics a little bit. But we were talking about pairings earlier, and one of the things that I never enjoyed or didn't know I liked was the pairing of beer and cigars. Because w- you always hear, like, oh, man, bourbon cigars, brandy and cigars. And bourbon or whiskey always kind of burned my palate out to where I couldn't really taste the cigar that much. And I, w- I felt the same way about beer because of the hoppiness. But... um. 
Darren and Harrison brought up the fact that don't sleep on it because th- there are good beers out there that pair good with with cigars. And uh, Darren brought up the the crispness of a of a of a floral beer with a. Or Do we have to beer. talk about or pretend to have this conversation again? Because I think you just said it. Yeah, that was, <laughs> right. That was, it's out there now. But it, to me, that was interesting because it was I would never have thought to put because uh, I I just I. I don't. I, maybe it's the beers I'm pairing with. If, if you have a cigar that has a particularly, I say citrusy, but if you get that nice citrus nature, like an acidic cigar, but that's well balanced, you imagine a lighter beer like a Pilsner, but with that just nice, crisp, bright flavor from the cigar. It's just like having a lemon in your Hefeweizen. Yeah, I, w- I would say like the, the point that I was making with with Chris and the. Let's, can we start calling it the Lost Cast? We can. Okay. Well, why don't we call? Why don't we call this the Mod Cast? Mm-hmm. I think this makes the Modified mm-hmm. Podcast. Yes. So um, <laughs> I think that the Amer- I, I was saying that American Pilsners or something like this, you know, have this kind of floral characteristic. Perhaps that Darren's a certain types of Darren cigars really melt with. And then um, Chris made a point about ales, and then I said to him, you know, you know, one of the things that's unfortunately increasingly forgotten in our world are English cask ales which have this crazy, they're usually a little bit warmer and you actually have to pump them at the tap and they're more expensive to produce and they die faster so that they are not as prevalent in the UK as they used to be. But, you know, they have a nutty finish, right? And what is a better thing to complement a cigar, I think, than this lovely deep beer, this more malty beer, you know? And uh, so I think there's plenty of beers out there. We're not talking like, you know, middle of the road, like, you know, light beers necessarily, but that can really uh, mesh with the beer. So. Yeah, you know, like I drink a lot of, of uh, bigger beers, right? I'm not a complete student on knowing all the terminology, so I don't know exactly what I'm going to get sometimes when I order them. But like if I'm just drinking beer and I order like an Imperial Stout or some kind of chocolate stout, I love all those deep, rich flavors. Yeah. Maybe strong for a cigar, but have you ever noticed sometimes if you order a beer like that and it doesn't quite have the richness and the flavor that you were hoping for, it has like a shorter finish, like you order a stout, but it's it's a little bit clipped at the end versus having the rich sweetness on the back of your palate even though it works less, I think, as a standalone beer, it makes it a great pairing for a cigar because you have the dark beer, it cuts itself off, and then you can enjoy the smoke shortly thereafter, particularly a sweeter cigar that picks up those sweet tones that the beer uh, was lacking. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's exactly akin to, uh, again, on the Lost Cast, when I was referring to this with the wine, it's like, you know, someone says to me, well, the cigar is going to overpower the wine. And I said, you know, well, basically, you know, Zeno Davidoff had a reason in the late 70s and early 80s for naming uh, several of his Vitolas after the great French wine houses. And the idea is that I think that if you smoke enough cigars and you drink enough wine, which President Company probably were all included, you know, you're going to have this sense of, um, I understand how this tastes before I smoke a cigar, while I'm smoking a cigar, and after when I, uh, you know, after I finish a cigar or something like that. And so your your palate becomes attuned towards, you know, okay, well, my palate maybe is a, is a bit dull or modified because I'm smoking a particular type of cigar, but I can still taste the wine as it tastes through that cigar. And that's something that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said before, the I like a dry wine. So when I'm drinking a dry wine and then I smoke a cigar, it dries out that wine even more, so I, I really get that flavor that I like that much. Much with, much with the, uh, the mustiness of other cigars. Like a musty cigar with a dry wine, oh, dude, like I'm, I'm in heaven because I don't, I don't like... When I'm smoking a cigar, I don't want the sweetness of like a, you know, like a, you know, at our house we drink a lot of Tempranillo, a lot of Spanish wine, right. and but you don't always want that with a cigar. It's a little bit sweet. Yeah, so, yeah. but I I love that dry, that dry red with the cigar because it just kind of it gives you that bitterness on your tongue. One thing I've enjoyed is like if if I'm having a big round wine like a Napa Cab, something that's just big and fruity, 
uh, a proper Maduro, not like a dry Maduro, but like my accomplice Maduro that mm-hmm. it has some sweetness, it has some baking spices. That's an accidental pairing that I found myself really enjoying from time to time. And that cigar will hold up to it. Yeah. Because that's, I've always been a fan of that cigar. I think when I first got into um, Principles, of course I got in on the Aviator, but one of my, f- one of the first accomplices that I actually found myself going back to was the Maduro, was the green label, because I just, I really love that, uh, the nightstick, man. It was just a, I, I can, again, I can smoke that whole nightstick. It's a dark, look, you look at it, you're like, this is a dark cigar. It's giant. I'm going to, I'm going to be sick after this. But no, you can no. smoke the whole thing. It's very flavorful. It doesn't, uh, and you told me right off the bat about how the difference between a true Maduro versus like, you know, the dying and all that. And you smoke that, you don't see any blue smoke. It's not dyed. No. It's, uh, it's not coming off on your tongue or lips yeah. or anything. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna knock you on your ass. But again, these these you know Trinidad Funadores last night, which is basically a a, a, a different version of the Lancero, right? Mm-hmm. And Dar- Dar- Darren and I were having a conversation about its ring gauge and all this stuff and the and the history of this particular cigar. But then when he says to me, like my mind is playing games with me a little bit. I'm like, what the hell do we smoke this with? And then he brings out this little tiny sauterne bottle, and I'm like, well, that's equally elegant, you know? <laughs> and it seems to meld a little bit, right? Dessert wines in general, I, I find <coughs> to be just great with cigars, you know? Like, particularly yeah. You put me on that. With yeah. Last time we, me, you, and, and Rich were here, we set mm-hmm. the little bottle of port out, and we were smoking. I think I had an Envoy. Uh, I had an Envoy and a little bit of that port wine, and I was, I was in heaven, dude. It was perfect. I think port is always right. Yeah. Do we want to learn from our mistakes and hit save on the computer? <laughs> <laughs> Port is great unless somebody brings it out in some like big, huge glass. And, and then it's kind of like, okay, well, how well do you know the ports you're selling? Well, yeah. you got to stop ordering port and dive bars. Yes. yes. <laughs> 100%. One of the, uh, I fell in love with a, you know, a mutual friend of ours that is a moto here in town, Rich. And uh, we had gone to dinner one night and, I fell in love with that place for one when I um, I was asking him about places to take my dad for his 75th birthday and he recommended that place and it was incredible. We loved every minute of it. But then we went back for just a random dinner where me and him were hanging out one night and it was, uh, I just love the fact that they know how to serve things that are supposed to be served. I'm a, like, I, it, you missed this on the last podcast, but I'm a sucker for uh, just kitsch things that are like, just like, give me the drink in the glass it's supposed to be served in. I just that that's a big deal yeah, of mine. It's not complicated. Like when when we're at the house, like even uh, even in our house, like look, me and Faith are not like we're we're not rich people. But you come to our house and you and you and I'm I'm pouring drinks. I'm gonna pour it in the drink. It's in the glass. <laughs> it's supposed to, like we most of our cupboards are wa- are, are glasses. Glassware. Moro used to have a dish. It was a blueberry lasagna. I don't know if it's still on the menu, but it was like a lot of layers of thin pasta, and like a re- a blueberry reduction sort of filler in between the layers. The combination of, of sort of sweet and savory was uh, was one of my favorite dishes in town, but it's been years. Yeah, there's a there's something to be said. I, I, that goes back to the whole you know like the whole aesthetic version of like smoking or drinking, whatever you're doing. Food, uh, Darren. I know you're you're kind of a foodie a little bit. Like you're always posting pictures and stuff or your food and whatnot. There's, yeah, there's go on a, my Instagram if you like looking at food. But a I, <laughs> I relegate it to the stories it's, so it's I don't uh, bore people. It's <laughs> at principal cigars, cigars and food. <laughs> so if you're into cigars and food. Like, look, if you're, if you're into cigars and rum, follow my pot, follow my Instagram. If you're into <laughs> cigars and food, follow... Uh, we follow do a fair those. share of eating over here. Yeah. So there's a... Which I guess in itself, it's another pairing, right? Like, I don't usually eat when I'm smoking, but I guess that could be another pairing, right? Yeah. We've done it both ways. It's nice. <laughs> there's a lot, not a lot of restaurants left where you can enjoy a cigar, but there are a few. Indeed. We, um, 
we the one we went to in Mexico. Yeah, not I mean, food you know, and actually quite good food. We went into the uh, the Cuban thing a little bit on the last on the on the lost on the lost cast, but going into the whole, uh, you know, a lot of people overseas and a lot of people, uh, you know, down down south down down island way. You'll go to s- you you go to smoke in the La Casa de Habana, the the Cuban cigar place, and they usually serve so f- they usually serve food in there. At least the one we went to, in uh in Mexico, and it was we it had is my birthday dinner there. It is kind of nice to sit there and have a have some food and have some drinks and to be able to smoke and yeah. I I always say the my favorite time to smoke a cigar is when the experience is not interrupted, right? Like it's too many times you you you're out having a fantastic dinner. And then you have to figure out how the cigar is going to be wedged into your evening. You're in cars, you're searching places, and what's wonderful is when you have a fantastic meal, fantastic beverages, and it just elegantly flows into the cigar smoking experience. You're building in anticipation, your mood for the cigar is increasing, and then when it just happens where you are, uh, it's hard to duplicate that overall experience. I also think, you know, cigar rooms in fine restaurants are really underrated, mm-hmm. my goodness. Like, when, when that is when that is on in the evenings like potential i'm so much more happy and like you know yeah of course i want to smoke a cigar after i have a, a you know five six course meal or whatever so yeah some people think that the meal ends at dessert and coffee no no it ends when the cigar comes out Harris that, that's the end of the meal we were in the ukraine a few weeks ago and in lviv and uh there was this hotel with a smoking room in the basement that was really underutilized to the point where we were usually the only people there and you know we were of course we brought cigars so we could smoke our own stuff and i think every night after dinner we would go to this place which was a short walk away and sit there till the wee hours of the morning they'd lock the doors close down the bar and we could smoke until 4 a.m and that was kind of heavenly because the experience was not separated for all you um interrupt for all you uh instagram tasting nerds out there i passed it a little bit now it mellowed out but a minute ago imagine on this vonk here imagine if you you take a peeler, a, f- a fruit peeler, and you peel off like a tropical fruit, doesn't matter if it's mango or whatever, whatever tropical fruit you want, and you peel the rind off, and then you just kind of express the, the the rind into your mouth, or just bite down on the rind, you're not actually tasting the fruit, you're just tasting the, the bitterness of the rind with the fruit, and I had a, a good inch of that here, and on this vonk here, and it was... It was freaking exquisite. It was delicious. Thanks, man. Yeah. So let the record uh, show that he is in the basically two-thirds for this cigar. <laughs> <laughs> for technical purposes. You know, we were, we were saying this. It goes back to about the lost cash. You know, it's like everyone has these uh, magniloquent, you know, uh, adjectives to use with cigars. And I basically had to sit there and listen for years as if it was a foreign language, even though I'm relatively decent in my own language. Um, you know, and everyone's saying... Ah, this tastes like cedar. This tastes like cedar. And then I finally realized that the part of the cigar they were talking about were these glorious three or four puffs about two-thirds through, you know, which, again, as I said in the Lost Cast, is like sometimes I'm smoking a cigar, and if there's someone who doesn't, who's either antagonistic or is a casual smoker, I'll hand it to them, and they'll, and they'll be like, why are you handing it to me? I'm like, just take two puffs. Yeah. And then it's like... You know, you got to taste it right now. Yeah, yeah. I and then, all the Yeah, time. but then it's like, they're yeah. like, no, I don't want to smoke it. And it's like the ultimate... Yeah, we're in the sweet spot here. It's, the, it's the, exactly ultimate, the sweet spot. Yep. It's the ultimate ingratitude because it's like, look... There's only a few puffs, I would, so you're Yeah, I would, never, I would never give you this yeah. if, if I didn't... <laughs> it's like mm. listening to your favorite song, and then someone like talks Listen to during, the bridge. During the bridge the, is so good yeah, on yeah. this song. But then someone yeah. starts talking during the verse you like, and you're like... like, no, it's like hold I wanted on a you to listen to hold this. Hold on a second. Like, yeah, they can rewind <laughs> it. Like, you can't rewind the cigar. No. Like, we just missed the puffs. You hold need on. the build-up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Uh, well, they say that about... Um, they say that 
about the different Vitolas, right? Like you smoke a Churchill, it doesn't get good until about you know the, the second, third. That that's when, but then you get a Robusto. You want to start off with that, but can you ever really start off with that? Like you need that smoking experience of like two thirds through to kind of give you that sweet spot. Every cigar is different, and you can blend it to do what you want sure. to accomplish. Sure. You know? But again, this is also why I think Cigar Journal's rating system is is very interesting to me. Like, I was in. Estonia with Darren recently and he was uh, doing the taste test on a cigar and doing the rating system and I, I found it very interesting that it was you know first third middle third final third and he was paying great attention to the first third and also paying a lot of attention to the dry draw you know because uh, uh, I think the dry draw on the cigar is, is really indicative of quality yeah. or of complexity and then I'm interested to see how that you know, figures out when you actually light it up. It's funny. Sometimes you take the cold draw and you get certain flavors and they're representative of what's to come in the experience. And then other times you, you cold draw and it has nothing to do with the puffs once you light the thing. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And it's again, um, <clears throat> I talked a little bit on the lost cast again about how I find myself doing the thing I make fun of, which are like people, the, the over tasters on Instagram that just like, Oh, this tastes like if you, if you, if you step in a puddle, and then you, your boot gets wet, and then you, see, you put your boot inside, and you let it sit for two days, and then you, you smell your boot. And, but, but then again, at the same time, there's something cool about the uh, when something jumps out at you. Like, I try not to analyze it too much now when I'm smoking. I try to let something jump out at me. And those, when those things do jump out at you, it's, 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 that, it's that experience that you're, that you're talking about, that, uh, that, like, you know, when you're smoking a, a Cuban, and you, and you might smoke 40 of them, and you get that one that's, it, that blows you away. Well, sometimes you're smoking that cigar, and you might be smoking for a half hour. Then you get to that spot, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is the spot. This is I got this inch this right here. This is the right. inch right here. This is the spot." We were talking about being communal. It's like you want to tell somebody. Yeah, baby, come here, smoke the cigar. This is what <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> so, I think we covered a lot of uh, the same stuff, but no, we I think we covered a lot of what I wanted to hit on. Let's talk a little bit as we, you know, what's funny is that we've actually gone an hour 15 already and it doesn't seem, it, it seemed like a lot longer on the first time. Has the uh, mod cast meet matched the, the lost cast? I don't, I don't know. The lost cast was, I think our best work ever. So I don't know. Thank but you for honoring my <laughs> pun. Yeah, no, it was good. My, my half pun. <laughs> so, uh, although I think Harrison did talk a lot more on this, so it was good to get out of your shit. I think you need more whiskey to talk a little bit, man. That's what it was. That's always the case. Yeah. So, um, now that we're rounding out, man, Darren, let's get back to Principal and Steeplechase coming up. Uh, the first time you we were on was pretty much talking about Steeplechase, so we don't need to go into too much detail about what it is, but let's talk about what's coming up this year and what we can expect. And I mean, the full four days is a, just extravaganza. Yeah, it's, and if you're a non-cigar person, please still check it out. We have most, a lot of our guests, probably predominant amount for the Saturday events, uh, are not smokers. We, uh, the whole week is centered around Steeplechase, which, as you know, is a national tradition, uh, it's a outdoor horse race. There's about 25,000 people there. Uh, and we, we, we're in an infield area called The Turn, and we have basically the entire front row. So we'll bring about 150 people, uh, and we provide a, an all-inclusive party, basically, right on, right on the rail where the horses go by. Um, we bring a chef. We have uh, great beverage sponsors, cigars, of course, for those that partake. Um, and uh, it's just a wonderful experience, after which we come to Boxwood Hall in Brentwood, which is where we have the after party. And the after party is, it's grown to, to basically, I think, the largest party of the year at a private residence in Nashville. And le I want to just throw in a little bit. We're not talking about your standard um, tailgate party at Steeplechase where a bunch of 
people show up and wait in a bunch of lines and no. and have a bunch of beer out of coolers. You get high end sponsors. You got you got Deep Eddie Vodka. You get you you get high end sponsors. Uh, and not, I mean, that's not even taking. That's not even talking about the fact that you're smoking premium cigars all day. We do it at just the right level because, first off, we have a wonderful crowd, right? People from 15 countries, all sorts of folks fly in for this thing, and we uh, we do everything. You know, quality is important, but also these are all people that know how to have a great time. So it's just wonderful people to be around. It's the most fun day of the year, um, and then it's expanded into this whole week of events. So we have a we have a Thursday night event, which is a boutique cigar and spirits festival. It's a screaming deal. I think it's like thirty five bucks. You end which, up with. by the way, is one of my favorite events of the whole weekend it's because fun, you get to meet everybody that you're going to be hanging out with all yep. weekend. It's like a little. Yeah. pre-event, and you can stock up on cigars mm-hmm. for no money, taste a bunch of beverages. Uh, and this year, the, fri- the Friday night event is the Nashville leg of the Cigar Smoking World Championship, which is a more elegant affair, but it's extremely exciting. It's a competition, and I can't announce it yet because it's not in stone, but we have a really exciting venue for the uh, competition this year that's going to be something exciting. Awesome. And, and if you're uh, – I can speak from experience. Don't be intimidated by coming out to the formal event because it's a lot of fun. Everybody's very inclusive. You meet a lot of people, especially if you come to the Thursday night event. You're going to see the same folks all weekend, so you make friends over the weekend. And you get to see the people, exp- for return people, you get to see folks that you might only see you know, yeah. once a year at the event. We get people that you know, come by themselves. I mean, you don't need to know anyone. You're, you'll be you know, immediately thrust in with friendly cigar smokers from, from all over the world. the first year we went, we felt at home. It was, yeah. ve- it was very much inclusive. And you... It's a fun event to watch, even though it's, you know, it, it, there, there's a there's a duality to it, right? Because it's like, okay, we're smoking cigars, we're having fun. It's kind of like it's kind of silly. We're you know, competition for smoking cigars, or whatever. But not only the, the other side of that is people do take it very seriously, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to even the spectators are like, you know, I mean, when I was when I was there last year was my first year doing the uh, second year steeplechase, Chase, first year doing the 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 um, competition, and I didn't participate, but although I will be this year. And uh, just watching the people participate or having so much fun, it's like it made me want to do it. So and it's much. it's really anyone's game. I mean, we gave away, what, a $6,000 watch last year. The year before is ST DuPont lighters. You know, we've had great sponsors for prizes, and, you know, anyone can win this thing. So many times someone brings a, a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone who's not a smoker, they participate, and they end up going home with the thing mm-hmm. because anyone's cigar can go. I've seen it over and over again, so just don't be afraid. You sit there, slowly smoke a cigar, and you could end up winning something serious. Definitely big up to our to our buddy Marco Billick for putting that great event on here in Nashville. Thank you. I want to thank him for setting that up because y- you and him put on the uh, the event here, and it's it's always a fun like just it's it's the most like for a cigar smoker especially if you're into it. This is yeah. There's a lot of events you can go to, but I mean, let's face it, a lot of them are. Uh, Nashville's a great smoking town, but you can most of the events are going to be in Miami or some you know something like that. But th- here, this is this is probably I mean I venture to say the premier cigar smoking event in Nashville, and it's it's a it's a not only is it a weekend of cigar smoke. If you're into cigar smoking, you're going to get some great sticks. You're going to get some great camaraderie. But it, like you said, even if you're not into cigar smoking, I yeah. bring Faith every year, and you know. She smokes with me, but she, I wouldn't. You know, she's not a smoker. There's but plenty but of people. But the first year I went, I didn't. I didn't smoke at all, and I still had a really, really great time. You know, just building that kind of like community. Like I said, is really awesome, and it's five days of fun. You know, really, it's. Um, you know, there's very few places that you can all meet together and do like a whole set of different like activities, including the race, including the competition, including, you know. Um, 
just the after party after drinks and after party and really by the end of the week you're friends you know even if you came by yourself were not a cigar smoker um you know you'd have the friends and something to really chat about all year i should also mention that the after party is a charitable event and uh, i believe we are changing our charity this year too which will be an announcement too coming cool. in the next week or so so Exciting. for for anybody who wants to get details on that man where can you just go to principal you can go to principalcigars.com or uh you can go to iroquoisteeplechase.com if you go to org, that's the official steeplechase website dot com will take you to our events page or if you go to principalcigars.com, there's a link right at the top for National Cigar Week. And I highly recommend if you're in town for the weekend, whatever day you come in, just just come to the event for the, that night. And if nothing else, come to the after party. It's the coolest party of the year, man. It is because there are uh, – it was hard for me. It's funny. The last two years in a row, I'll tell a little embarrassing story. Like the first year we came – the first I year I came – doesn't include me. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but the, the – it does, but in good light. The, the first year we came – uh, everybody warned me, like, hey, man, we're going to be partying all day. Pace yourself. Yeah. And I didn't really – I didn't really. I just – I, did, <laughs> I uh, didn't happen. I didn't. But still ended up making it to, like, 2 in the morning. And Listen, one year our – you know, we always have these liquor sponsors, and the, the whiskey sponsor rep was – you know who you are, passed out at 9.30 a.m., and we're looking at each other like, we're going to be partying until 5 a.m., it's 9 in the morning, and we've lost our, our key guy for this evening's VIP bar. Well, the, <laughs> but the, somehow we made it. We the first it year, I did not pace myself, and I made it till 2 a.m. The second year, I was like, okay, this year I'm going to pace myself, and uh, tried to pace myself, but then I got so – I paced myself the whole daytime, and then we got to we got to the after party, and there's oh like goodness, a little bit of, there's like a little bit of a lull between like getting everything yeah. you know over here, and so in that lull, you know, uh, once all the booze for the after party came out, I was like, sweet, I'm done pacing myself, <laughs> I can go hard now. And then I d I proceeded to taste every liquor that was here, and then literally by eleven o'clock, I was patting Faith on the shoulder like, ah, babe, I think I think we need to go. The tough to part go. also is convincing people on you know it's Friday night in Nashville, we just had this great event, and you have to explain to people why they shouldn't go out. Because tomorrow's a marathon. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those things that like um, Tony was basically on a diet, and then he saw chocolate cake, and he was like, "Oh, forget it." <laughs> the other that's when you go thing, overboard. We on Sundays, it's not available to the public except for the people that buy the week pass. The week mm -hmm. pass is all the events. Uh, and on Sunday, we're at the house. You have people here from, like I said, fifteen countries, and people just start cooking brunch, which sometimes ends up being served at five p.m. Uh, we're just <laughs> nice. sitting around drinking wine, smoking cigars, talking about the, the previous four days of, you know, insanity that's taken place. And for me, the Sunday after steeplechase is just such a beautiful Because you time. actually get to relax then. Yeah, I'm chilled out and so is everyone else. Within and, that whole, <laughs> I made the joke earlier, within that, within that whole four days of fun, you have like 15 minutes where you get to actually Yeah, for me, you know, Thursday's a lot of work and stress. Same thing with Friday because we have to make sure everything's in place. And then Saturday, still getting mobilized in the morning, getting 150 people to the tailgate is tough, but once everything's kind of set up there, there's a moment where it's like my first time of the week where I can just exhale, enjoy a cigar, watch the oh, horses, I, and there's chill like, out a minute. Literally, like you know, how like when you get, when you first get done mowing the lawn and you like you're very proud of your work. Yeah. You're sitting there like uh, there's there's like you're a looking 15, at the lines. Yeah, there's like there's a 15 minute period at, in the middle of steeplechase where I see Darren like every year just like taking it in for a second and then it's Doing right the then, then it's right back it's right I'm back to work. Notice. It really is. It's maybe my favorite 10 minutes of the year. Like when I can just stop <laughs> nice. and look around. Like I did this. 
and then right back to work again. We've been doing it for 12 years, so I mean, the program is down. It just gets more exciting each year. More, uh, you know, we have obviously the sponsors are changing. We have, um, and the exciting thing also is is all the foreign people that come. And this, you know, it comes in waves. Not everybody can come every year, but it seems to be this year. Like I, I said, I can't remember if I said it in the modcast or the the lost cast, but we have in December we had over 10 Europeans with flights booked already. So we've got folks on the books from Italy, from uh, Austria, Germany, Croatia, uh, Cuba, Dominican. Uh, there's just all sorts of great Estonia. folks. Estonia. Estonia. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you what. Every Thus far, we've been a little bit too uh, hungover on the on the Sunday to come to the brunch. But that's my goal this year is to make it to the brunch on Sunday. It's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful day. Because and he's it is, not going to tell himself that he's pacing himself because we know. Well, it, it also, I mean, it's fun for me because it's its kind of the one weekend a year where I get a pass. It's like going to, um, it's like when, when Pinocchio goes to Pleasure Island and he gets to like smoke and drink all he wants and to get sick. It's like, that, that's the one the one weekend a year where Fate's like, okay, this is your birthday, this is your party. Because it always falls around my birthday. So it's like, it's like this is, okay, you, you can, uh, I'm going to let you slide a little bit on smoking <laughs> four cigars in one day or whatever. Especially when he starts talking in your drunk voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which but I, I have to try to decipher what he is saying. <laughs> I got a sweet picture from last year, actually in this very lounge, with Faith sitting at the bar smoking a Grand Pyramid. We looked good. <laughs> and uh, with the, all the, the, I think it was, who was up here last year? I think it might have been Balvini up here last year. And yeah. we, we were doing a scotch tasting, yeah. and she was smoking the Grand Pyramid, and I got her like I enjoyed that cigar. Just a perfect puff off of it. I'm pretty sure we have Gl- Balvini and Glenfiddich back this year. Yeah, I enjoyed bo- uh, both years. You know, once as a non-smoker and second year as like, I would say, I guess I dabble in it. I don't, wouldn't say that I smoke a lot, but you know, from time to time, it's a very nice, relaxing experience. But also having a variety of sponsors is is great, right? Yeah. You know, it's not like one liquor company, one cigar company is doing everything. And so it's like just this, you know, diverse thing and it, it, it demands it, right? Because you have people coming in from so many different areas of the world. Yeah, even on Thursday night. And this is the thing, like not only is the cigar consumer community a great community, but the cigar industry. I mean, wh- mm-hmm. what other industry mm-hmm. at trade shows and, and events do you have direct competitors having dinner together every night and laughing and joking? And our Thursday night event, I mean, you end up with 10 cigars. So these are all, okay, principal sp- sponsors, a few of them, but you still have all sorts of other great companies taking part of it. La Galera was a huge part last year, um, and uh, I believe they'll be back this year. Good. Um, nice. And, yeah, a few others that uh, all jump on board, and it's just such a wonderful time. The aspect of that, I love it. I, I, I latched onto cigars right away because of that, and now that I get deeper into it, the industry camaraderie is even mm-hmm. more appealing to me because, you know, me and Faith both being in, like, the creative aspect of Nashville, like the music and the writing and all that, That's a I, I see a lot of that in that as well like if you're a musician in town you're in direct competition with other musicians for that spot but you're also a a, a family sort of like you're all going through the same thing at the same time and i know i noticed that in the cigar industry and that's kind of what like made me lean into it to it like besides the fact that i like smoking cigars like what what got me into being a nerd about it was the fact that the industry is so cool yeah. about people you know you know i i i've yet to make it to any of the overseas gatherings but like i'd love to go to you know, down to the the the, es- at the Esteli events and like the uh, Dominican events and stuff like. Because I hear well, I hear tell you can probably confirm this that like you see a lot of the manufacturers just all hanging out. And yeah, of course. Yeah. It, it it goes to show just how incredibly difficult creating craft products is, right? 
Yeah, and the other side of it is we're sort of we're we're all in this together in a sense because it's an industry that's constantly under attack. People don't understand that cigars are not cigarettes. You know, th- when I say people, I mean the general public, lawmakers. They don't understand that we're not addicted to this. They don't understand that it's not quite as harmful as uh, we once thought that it was. And you know, because we're constantly fighting unreasonable legislation and uninformed legislation, in a way, we're we're just sort of in it together. And it's and it's a lot easier for people to come together knowing that if if we lose this, we all lose. Yeah, and we didn't talk about this on the Lost Cast because uh, we didn't want to get too into FDA stuff, but just to briefly touch over it so we don't get on that same... I don't want to be repetitive as every other podcast, but it is a big thing going on right now. We're under attack by... Yeah, and like I said, we're mostly a European company, so we're dealing with different smoking laws in every country. you know. And then you have countries like Germany, which is like the U.S. in the sense that every state then has its own laws. Well, even the fact that... I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up in Florida and then come to Tennessee where in both places we can smoke in lounges. And when I found out that there was places that you can buy cigars but not smoke them, I was like, well, what the fuck? What, what, I what am I going to – like? It's, it's Especially if you live in a place up north, you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to sit outside when it's 30 degrees out and smoke a cigar. Like, There's nothing worse than calling on a shop or when you go and it's a beautiful shop with great cigars and they're not allowed to smoke in there. And they're just sitting there looking at cigars all day long. I can't imagine going through – yeah, I mean, if you can't on your have have a shift cigar while you're working, like yeah. that's, that's kind of why you work in a lounge, right? Like, <laughs> it's a. So before we sign off, brother, let's. There's one thing I noticed that I didn't get to touch on on the Lost Cast, which I'm glad we got to touch on now, which was we don't really talk too much about when you're on, but your background in antiques and stuff, and this whole, the not just antiques, but this whole genre of, of this tempest that you're in like i noticed that a lot of your antiques all a lot of your genre all focuses around a certain time period you like you really like that art deco sort of sort of thing even with your modern designs for your 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 principal cigars i just and like strong style and strong design so it's not just that necessarily that i hone into art deco it's just an area that i play in and i deal a lot of art nouveau or art deco material um I just at some point have had decided to use a lot of that imagery. You know, I've, I've been, it's because of tobacco artwork that I'm in the cigar business, right? Like I, I, I was dealing in cigar labels and advertising when I was in high school. Uh, and at some point I, I veered off into tobacco itself. But um, I just, there's a certain, there's so many aspects of lost art, you know, lost art in the tobacco industry and lost art in, in advertising itself in general, you know, like, we were talking before I just did this series of advertising signs. You know, I'm trying to bring back, you know, an advertising sign years ago was a, a simplistic message, you know, a, an announcement of a product's presence or, or availability, and that's it. And it, was, and it was beautiful. You know, you had famous artists, famous lithographers uh, creating these, these works of art, and nobody's, nobody really does that these days. And, you know, I think that the aesthetics, when, when you're blending cigars, the reality is you're, I always say you're making cigars for 5% of your customers when you're blending, right? Like maybe 5% of people can have a truly intricate conversation about what they're tasting. But for everyone else, the rest of the experience is extremely important. The aesthetics, the way a brand looks, the look and feel of a product and you know the feel and there's nothing wrong with enjoying the feeling of of a cigar. You know, I, there are some brands that I really appreciate. I and I look at it and I buy the cigar and when I smoke it, I like the branding. I just I like how it makes me feel and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I like to do the very best I can to bring that to the experience as well, coming from that background. It's it's again starting out differentiating between the the art and the business or the you know, the, the product and the business aspect of the product. There is a you you guys 
hit that off at principle because you're you're making a quality product, you're making an ultra ultra quality product, but then the aesthetics of it is also new and different and like everybody when you think about cigar art, you go back to your traditional Cuban style art and you guys are doing something cool and modern with it and like no one else is really doing the art deco thing that you're doing with it. The industry is it's a little bit too homogenous. I mean, well, you could say that that uh, Nat Sherman has a lot of art deco influence in some okay. of their designs, and I, I really appreciate some of the stuff they do. But uh, I try to take more of an approach where I want I want the products to look like they could be from a period, not in the style of a period. Your cigars also taste like the art, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it, it's an it's an ultra premium cigar for a for a good price, and when you smoke it and you look at the artwork on the band, you kind of feel. Like, uh, aesthetics are part of the yeah. experience, man. Yeah, you for sure. You feel I, w- like I would say it's also like it's like it's dignified, but it's not stilted, right? It's like the flapper culture, right? So it's like this, right? You know, you have the twenties happening, and, and with that comes these now just you know shockingly traditional things, but th- th- back then they were kind of revolutionary, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, an open box of aviators on the shelf, it's the design is not elaborate. It's not simple, but it's not elaborate. But still, it manages to stand out mm-hmm. when it's on a shelf with mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other things, because you can have there are so many too many designs where, you know, they, people think a bunch of flowers and gold coins and cherubs and all this nonsense is the way to design a cigar box, and there are no dynamics in that. There's no negative space. There's no strong sinuous lines. There's nothing that evokes an emotion, uh, and that's what we try to do. We want something to stand out and give you a direct, immediate feeling about what that product is going to deliver. Well, in a, in a world where in a world in a world <laughs> where there's a like all these facings are start are want to look very Cuban esque, which is incredible artwork. I mean, much props to them. You know, you uh, you got someone like Perdomo who like has a separate vault in their factory just for their artwork and stuff. But you're going, you're you're walking along all these facings in the in the humidor at your local lounge, and you come across aviators which stand out because of because of the simplicity. Not that they're simple artwork, but because of they you know that that silver band sticks out to you. You know, you got your gold band stuff. It, it's 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 simple, but they're but strong. Characteristic, they're strong yeah. It, yeah. it sticks. It, it pops from the rest of the uh, from the rest of the the ocean of uh, you know traditional designs that everybody. Sometimes people will try it because of that. It's no different than a wine label, but exactly. then we want them to discover that it's something exceptional. But I also like the fact that it's distinctly you know about uh, distinctly American, right? So like money mm-hmm. to burn. Or when those boxes came out, I don't know, was it f- five, six years ago, right? Yeah, Harrison's talking about a project we made where, you know, again, I'm from the antique world, and we, we had a run of cigars where we used original uh, railroad bond certificates that were printed in 1921 in the packaging of the cigars. So when you buy a box, you're getting the actual 100-year-old, 99-year-old uh, certificate, you know, banknote engraved certificate. Uh, and we have some follow-up projects that are also going to use some vintage materials that we're excited about. I really love that. That's awesome. You get a piece of, you know, art along with it. Yeah, it's cool. It's the mm-hmm. coolest thing that I've seen in I mean, tobacco lately. It's a unique way of blending your – so the the biggest thing when you're when you're in an industry that's been around for so long is to how do you stick out, right? right. And you're blending your passion for artwork in with your passion for cigars. Well, and you have to use your strengths, and one of my strengths is 30 years of buying massive amounts of antique paper <laughs> and building a huge archive, so why not use it? And you have um, – I've I've – Gotten the opportunity to step into your uh, your illustrious office of, <laughs> of some uh, paperwork back there, and I'm amazed at how you know where everything is. It's, your, it's organized. It looks like a lot, but it is organized. It has to be. It's a. In fact, you were nice enough to give me a couple of uh, tiki postcards yeah. that uh, I'm sure I'm going to hang on the wall and Fate's going to make fun of. 
but I, you know, everybody's into their thing, and you knew, you, you, you're like, oh, I got something for you. You knew exactly where it was, and I'm, I'm looking around your office. I'm like, how do you know where anything is in here? I think the quality here? of that is going to be a little bit higher than some of the other tiki work. <laughs> Believe we it or have not, I have a little house. folder. I just have a section in there where, when I come across something that I, I think one of my friends will like, I just kind of put it in that section. So when I see them, I can hand it to them. Uh, and I had those little things in that. I remembered for you, so I was able to get it. It's not wasn't that difficult, but it's part of my system of organization. It's a, it's a uh, it's a very cool thing, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, but it's a very cool thing Thanks, to man. to meld these two worlds together, especially in a, in thank you, babe. In a uh, thank God, she just handed me this, this giant uh, the lighting tonight, brought to you by uh, by Vertigo. It's a Santa Claus. Yeah, <laughs> Santa Claus brought me this awesome Ford. For a uh, four flame lighter, but it's um something that's in the ar- that's that's in the cigar world anyway is this this traditional artwork thing. So artwork, even though it's not what you're doing, the 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 act of having artwork in in cigar world is very important when it comes to the boxes and the bands and everything. And you're taking that already established uh, archetype of having artwork being part of the world and doing putting your own version of it in there based on your experience. And to me. Even you know again, not not just because we're friends, but that that to me is super cool. Like well, I, you I think about it. it. I've I've bought and sold hundreds of thousands of antique cigar labels over the years and related material. So I've seen it all, and I I understand from a collector's perspective what's desirable and what's not desirable. I understand from an art perspective what's you know what's quality and engaging and what's not. And so when you take that, I have a pretty good mindset of what's going to be in what's going to be uh, seductive for the consumer because I know what's seductive to the collector and uh, it's, it's you know it's, it's it's extremely fun to put those two things together and and use the art to uh, increase the seductivity of the product yeah I really I really enjoy that it kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier about pairing this is kind of the old it's it's a version of it right like you're pairing something that you're you can two say th- that two things that you're good at you're putting them together um, and even if it's, it's totally out there like we were talking earlier about um, Tiki cocktails, that were, or it, this new cock, you know, this I guess it's not new anymore, but this cocktail movement that's going on in the U.S. right now, and you don't you don't think to blend some of these cigars with these crazy out there cocktails, but it, there there is a realm which I probably shouldn't I should trademark this before I put it on the air, but there's 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 a there's a space out there if somebody wants to do something new, blend like come up with some 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 modern cocktail and cigar pairings. There's a space out there for that because people love cocktails, people love cigars. And uh, that's a I, great idea. I'll do it. I, I, I dude, uh, keep me in mind. <laughs> but the, the uh, but there's the same thing is kind of going on with what you're doing because you're taking this because uh, art is also on an uptick and you're taking something cool with the aspect that nostalgia is really popular in culture right now. Look at all the shows on Netflix that are all about kids uh, toys from the '80s and stuff like that. Like like nostalgia is is booming right now. So you're taking something that people like. People like this vintage stuff. And you can make it, you can, not only are you actually doing real vintage stuff, but you can also take the vintage idea and put it with something modern that... I almost, I don't even see it as that I'm providing vintage, you know, style to people. What I see it is I'm just providing styles that work and I'm using them on the product. You know, like these styles, it's not like buy this cigar because it's Art Deco. It's buy the cigar because this design is really nice yeah. and it just happens to use Art Deco as a tool. We just did a family it's reunion. It's for the draw. Down in, yeah, we, we just uh, like cigar pun there for the draw. Mm-hmm. We just did a um, family reunion type thing down in Florida, and we went to 
uh, Disney Springs, I guess I think it was, where they and we went to an Italian restaurant down there, and their theme was uh, an old Art Deco style airplane hangar from when they had like uh, you know the 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 luxury mm-hmm. flights out to the Caribbean, out to Cuba and stuff. And that, that was the whole theme of the restaurant. And the first thing I thought of when I walked in was like, this reminds me of Aviators. This reminds me of Principal Cigars. Cause there, there's a there's an ultra high-end, like a f- cigar lounge opening up in Africa in a uh, you know five-star resort. And the guy bought a, a vintage airplane and he, he put it up into the top of this building. I don't know if it's been done yet, but it's in the process of being done. And so part of the cigar lounge, you go and sit in an airplane. Yes, I was gonna, just going to say, man, go smoke in the... And when oh. this guy found out about the existence of Aviator Series, he got very excited. So we're going to do a uh, a partnership with them, I believe, oh, in the coming we gotta year. Go, when they get I want to go smoke in a plane. All right. <laughs> so you heard of snakes on a plane? We're going to go smoke in a plane. There we, we go. Uh, yeah, man, and speaking of ultra premium, man, I'm in the last third of this funk here now, and it's still delicious. Thanks, man. Still awesome. It's good smoke. Uh, still, n- and sometimes you get, you smoke a good cigar, and you get to that last third, and even though it's still good, you're getting, um, you know, it's getting hot. You're getting, you know, you're, you're at, you know, you're in the last third. This is smoking like I'm still smoking a fresh cigar. Yeah, it's, that's great. It's awesome. So, man, thanks so much for sitting there and bullshit with Always us. Always a twice. pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that the modcast lived up to the lost cast. <laughs> I think it did. I think it did. Because you can't ever um, – don't underestimate the fact of a, a second round of drinks coming out, what it means right. to, the, to the podcast and uh, second smoke. So thanks for sponsoring the show tonight and providing the smokes, man. We appreciate thanks, you. Thanks, man. Um, thanks for being on again. Looking really forward to, to May. Yeah. Let's drop the info w- one more time on people where they can find you, where so they can get tickets and everything. The best is to uh, principalcigars.com. There are links up top. P R I N C I P L E cigars. Uh, same thing on Instagram, Principal Cigars, Facebook, Twitter, all the and same. And if you guys are fans of the podcast and you follow my Instagram, it's all over there. Just just look it up. Um, almost a lot of my cigars are. I've been doing a lot of random stuff lately, but you can always find principles in there because those are my favorites. So, um, Faith, do you have a. Uh, is your favorite still the the white label? I yes, I really like the white label. Yeah, it's that Cuba rapper that she likes. I think she Cuba. likes that that Brazilian rapper. Yeah. So um, I am particular to the rapper. Okay, so again, I'm an amateur, but um, I have found that I like distinct rappers and a smooth smoke, smooth blend of tobacco. We certainly appreciate your input on the podcast, and yeah. the uh, you know, on the first on the uh, on the lost cast, I was making fun of Chris for not being you know a, a, a smoker smoker, but that was in no means to like um, say that amateur smokers are uh, are void of opinion because I was once an amateur smoker. Of course, and we all were. One of the things that I love is um, expanding my palate and learning that, and Darren was a big help in expanding my palate. Um, it's, I mean, again, just smoke within his line and you'll find something that we you said, love. We, we said that before. I mean, you were talking about the experience of smoking the uh, Hoya de Monterey Deluxe, right? And mm. I said, especially if I'm in Europe, you know, if someone says to me I've never smoked a cigar before, I hand them a Hoya de Monterey Epicure Number no. 2, which I think is a relatively approachable cigar. But then I find myself always reaching for that very cigar to smoke it with them. Uh, but I love that cigar, of course. There's nothing about, you know a mature cigar or something like that, or a cigar for an, for an aficionado, whatever word you want to use. You know, they're all extremely beautiful products, and they're to be enjoyed 
you know, at every level of experience or taste or things like this. So, so basically, if you learn nothing from this podcast, just smoke what you like and enjoy it because parrot what you like, smoke what Agreed. you like. There's a whatever it is, you know. I don't know if I told this in the last podcast or this one, but when I used to DJ records back in Orlando, somebody once told me. Uh, if you want two things to meld together, pick two songs that kind of sound the same, and then you'll they'll sound, you'll be able to transition easily. And if you're gonna if you're gonna pair, if you no matter what it is in life that you're doing, actually, I'll, I'll I'll put this out Broadway. I'll put this out if you're whatever you're doing. If you're if you're doing something you like, doing something you love, then it's gonna be a good experience. It's gonna you know it's like making a salad, right? Like put things in there that you like. It's gonna be a good <laughs> salad. So just make sure you include bacon. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> and uh, smoking a. I believe that that's a good analogy because you can have a good cigar, you can have a good glass of rum, but I believe that the company you're with is the bacon. It's the, it's, 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 it's the, nice. it's the, he spoon fed you yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the crumbles on top of the salad that makes it that much better. So thank you, Harrison, for that. And uh, you guys have been my bacon tonight. You guys out there listening have been my bacon tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that one. I'm going to use that from every podcast now. So uh, again, thank all you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you, Tony. For, uh, two shows. <laughs> Ooh, can I pee now? Yes, you can. Awesome. I'm See ready for another cigar. <laughs>